Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Polychromatic Podcast. I think we're on now episode eight of uh, this cast. Uh, today is March 12th, 2023. Um, my name is Zach, uh, co-host along with my mom. Elaine. And uh, we're coming to you today um, in response to a performance that we saw uh, just this weekend, actually yesterday. Yeah, yesterday was really quite a special day for both Zach and I. I mean, it was the first thing we've really done together since I moved back here. But even for the past probably, oh, I'd say uh, three, four years, we haven't spent a day doing this. And it was a really enjoyable day. I kind of felt like we were getting back into life again. Yeah, it's it's very strange. The thing, The closest thing I can compare it to, and I think we agreed that it felt this way, is it feels like similar to when you don't work out for a prolonged period of time and then you get back into it, just how tired you are and how it feels good to work out. But when you lose touch with it, you're just like, you feel like kind of like a wet noodle. (laughs) You know, you don't, you don't feel like as good in your own skin. Like it's really the difference between surviving and thriving, I think is the best way to describe it. So for us to actually go out and actually have an outing, right? Something to actually do beyond the normal, well, in your case, working, right? And if it were for me, if I was working, it'd be work, right? Work and cooking at home and, you know, maybe running an occasional errand, but nothing terribly exciting. It's not like we've uh, taken a trip to the botanical garden. It's not like we've, uh, well, I haven't been on vacation in God, I don't know how many years, aside from coming out to visit you out in California when you used to live out there. Well, yeah. And even then, um, your health wasn't always the best. So we didn't get to really take an opportunity that we all opportunities that we wanted to do when you came out because you were quite tired. But I was going to say when you talked about thriving and surviving, I think it's fair to say we've been surviving and now we're beginning to start getting in the world of maybe thriving. I hope so. I hope so too. And and yesterday felt that way. We were both just so excited to be able to go to the theater to see Shenyan, which was a performance that was, I thought, really quite impressive. And the costumes were absolutely incredible. Um, I think the message was overall very, very um, positive. And you walk out of there with really hopes that our world can really be together, you know? And I, it's just because I think things have been quite negative for a long time, uh, particularly, I think, as we've mentioned before, with the COVID and whatnot, we've had to kind of restart life. Most everyone has. Yeah, and, and in, in the lead up to to what happened with COVID um, in general, and, and this is not, this is not, um, I mean, this is based partially on my opinion, but more based on just, um, some very light research um, that I've done on the topic, not super heavy, but is a general consensus. There's been a large move away from people going to church and believing in some sort of higher spiritual power, you know, um, adding that element to their life to turn to this, you know, for some people, I guess, Santa Claus, right? Some invisible guy upstairs that watches out for us, or she watches out for us. It could be just as easy that it's a goddess rather than a god, right? But whatever, that there's some some ethereal being that that lives in in this uh, you know realm above us that's watching out for us, and and some choose to believe in that and others don't. But 
like I said, there's been a, a large move away from it. I can't remember the statistics, but I think it was something like um, that I was reading in the 1960s, 1970s, I th- you know, I think it was. I think it was like mid-60s or late-60s. If you look at the census of the amount of people that are going to church um, or engaging in community-driven religious doctrine practices, um, from then compared to now, it was, I think, closer to 70, it was like 55, it was above 50%. I, I want to say it was like 65 to 75, maybe even as high as 80% of people were involved in church. And I don't know what these statistics were based off of um, versus now where it's less than 50%. It's actually less than uh, less than 35% of people are involved in some community-based religious practice. And I just wanted to say something real quick before I pass it back over to you. The reality is, I just want to clarify that both I, my mom and I, um, don't believe in uh, exclusivist principles when it comes to religion. That's to say, I don't believe if you're born in another country and you don't believe in my version of God that you're going to hell or anything like that. What I think is, personally, it's been helpful for my own life to believe in some sort of higher power watching out for me, watching out for us. And I've seen real utility with that. And um, I even took comparative religions in uh, college, and it's it's a very interesting uh, conversation. The bottom line is, I don't like the context of quote-unquote religious. I like spiritual, self-guided practices that say you don't have to go to church to have a relationship with a higher power, the cosmos, etc., right? Oh, yeah, I see exactly what you're saying, or or actually what you're referring to uh, when you talk about this, because basically, um, with you studying the different uh, religious, um, what I want to say, practices, practices or, doctrines, or doctrines or whatever yeah. you want to call them, there is always, I think in general, they're all con- interconnected, is what you're trying to say. Yes, they, they all have a common thread to them. And the point I was trying to get across is, Religion is like a four-letter word. <laughs> it's not a four-letter word, but it feels like it's a four-letter word in today's modern context. What do I mean to say? Religion's been used for years to warmonger, to cause conflict, to judge people unfairly, right? To divide people. It was its first form of government governance back in the day, but we've moved away from that. And and even though you know there's a quote-unquote ch- uh, uh, separation between church and state and all that stuff, really, there's not. You know, <laughs> when they say that, you still see on the dollar bill that it says, in God we trust. And you see at the inauguration, you know, the new president's, you know, standing up and, and being uh, blessed by God or, you know, some someone up there that's some religious figure saying that. So the bottom line, it may seem like we're, we're getting off topic here, but it's it's related to Shen Yun because Shen Yun roughly translates, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but it roughly translates to like divine dance or something like that. Yeah, it does. And and basically they're talking about um, compassion and tolerance of others and which is the message they get across, I think, quite well um, throughout the, 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 the whole um, two and a half hours yeah. that we were there. Um, very positive. It, what I thought was amazing not to... Um, still part of the same topic, but I was so amazed with the projection, the background projection they had and how the characters, the dancers would 
jump over this wall and they'd fly off oh into my God. the yeah. into the projection. And it was really something. It, I was in awe of it. It was done so well. It was like yeah, I don't. There's no way to do justice for what you're what you're describing. You're doing an excellent job describing it. But basically, instead of it being a front projector, it was like a rear projector or a bunch of TV panels without the sides. So it was like one huge screen. And there was a platform right in front of the screen that was, what do you think, maybe uh, two feet, three feet? Probably. Two and a half yeah. feet yeah. above the ground. And what they would do is they would say uh, there's something on the projection on the background, like um, the story, the basis of the story without giving too much away is it involves shapeshifters. There was a warlock and, and, a, and a shapeshifter. So in this particular act, what basically happened is um, you saw like the bird in the background and then the bird would, would like quickly evolve into a man or something in the projection, but then it would swoop down at an angle that it would go off the screen for a second. But then the timing of the performer jumping up behind the, the block and the way that it was timed and cor the cor cor choreography, let's just say this, okay? As far as choreography is concerned, and I think that's the right term, the choreography is some of the best choreography I've ever seen in a performance before. You know, like some people say The Matrix, you know, the original Matrix movie had some of the best choreography. I'm telling you, this choreography was high level stuff. And that's how they were able to bridge the gap between this virtual world that were these screens or this projection, however they did that projection. And then what would be interesting is either they would go onto the screen or they would come off the screen and they would go back and forth. And it was so seamless in the way that was such high quality. It made you really feel like both existed in the same world. Well, they were, there was never one time that I saw that what well, the timing was off either. Mm -hmm. That was what was miraculous about it is that and even the positioning, the positioning of them was right on from the screen onto the stage, vice versa. And I really, it was like when I first saw it, I was going, Whoa, how are they doing this? It was that spectacular. Yeah. And there were a lot of um, really positive messages, but before we get into that, I just want to say getting back into it, the reason why we kind of went off kind of on the side tangent, but it's all related, I promise, is there's a connection between governance and religion, right? As far back as it goes, right? Like I said, some of the earliest forms of govern governance or govern government in general was uh, religious um, institutions. Well, yeah, if you think about it, they were all based on men, man-made. Yeah, like a man-made law, right? Like there are mm -hmm. certain inalienable human rights or certain things. And, and with Shenyang, they would do, there were separate, separate sets of performances. But in between some of the performances, they would have things that were written in Chinese and then right underneath them, they were written in English. And the general principle is we've gone from having soul, having spirit, and as a culture, not just as a culture, sorry, as a people, as a species, there was a sense previous to all this that we were thriving. So in the case of Shenyang, for the Chinese people, before communism got so oppressive and helped destroy their creative culture. And by the way, the Chinese people have an extremely, 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 extremely gifted creative historical culture. I mean, even some of the medicines, right? 
medicines, acupuncture, and that doesn't even begin to get into the art. If you actually do your research and sometimes you don't even realize that some of the art you're looking at in the modern day was heavily influenced by Chinese um, art of uh, that existed hundreds, if not thousands of years ago. You're absolutely right. And the dancing, I did not realize till yesterday, I've, I've always loved ballet. I've done ballet in my lifetime and enjoyed, enjoyed dancing, but to watch them done so professionally, but I, what I didn't realize is all of the stunts, the acrobats, I guess you could say the, though I did not realize that originated from Chinese. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what it was? Something I hadn't considered. And I had been in karate for Mm -hmm. 10 years. I got my black belt in Shotokan karate. Okay. Mm -hmm. Shotokun, Shotokan, uh, which is traditional Japanese um, kata. And they also do some sparring, but it's more about form than it is about um, fighting. But I didn't consider for a moment that katas and martial arts was actually a side, a side shoot of dancing. It all, it all originated with dancing. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that I didn't even consider. And it makes so much intuitive sense, right? Well, it's all an art form when you think about it. It I mean, from ballet to karate, all those things. Even calligraphy. Yeah. The Chinese calligraphy with the way that they write. Um, And then, like I said, I don't have any specific examples, but um, if you look in Chinese art, history art, you'll find so many artistic techniques that are used in art, you know, like... Here's an example. Where did, um, what's it called? You're really into it. the antiques with the, with the, um, the foodware. What is it called? Oh, you're talking about um, like Nippon and yes. some of what the- Yes, what is it called? It, it's actually Chinaware. porcelain. Yeah. Porcelain, uh-huh. Porcelain. So Chinaware, right? Mm-hmm. Like the antique uh, porcelain that is many of it's much of like Nippon and some of the, the um, older- older things that were early 1900s is all hand painted and beautifully crafted, you know? So they popularized. Mm-hmm. I think every culture had kind of its own form of how to serve food and whatnot, but they really popularized in the modern kitchen. We all use Chinaware. We all use what, I don't know what, I don't <laughs> so know what, the, I don't know what the phrase is. is that the word China, Chinaware? Well, you know or what? What, what, do you, what would, what do you actually call it? I would it? say I, dinnerware. Glassware? Dinnerware, glassware, but 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 the designs bring, on them. Yes, we for special occasions we bring out the china. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's called china? Yeah, it's called china. China is Chinese, right? Yeah. So we we really started thinking about how much China has influenced our lives as Americans. Yeah. If you think about it, and like you're talking about in the arts, um. And the dancing, and they did a Hungarian dance. It was just, it was pretty amazing. It was a very educational program along with very enjoyable. And the costumes, as I mentioned earlier, were exquisite. They were so beautiful. That, um, I think there were three things that blew me away. One was their ability choreography-wise and the way that everything was set up. How are they going in and out of the screen? Mm -hmm. Two, the costumes. Three, at the very end, when they got all the performers on stage and were like, wait, one, two, three, four, five. I mean, I wasn't actually physically counting, okay? But I was expecting an entire army of people to be on stage. What I didn't realize, and I should know this because as a kid, I did some childhood acting, 
and sometimes they played more than one part in a play. I'm not sure, but if I could guesstimate how many people were involved in the production acting-wise, I'd say like maybe around 30 or less. Oh, it was crazy because... Even though there felt like there were 100 people involved. The energy that they expended when they were on stage. Oh, my God. Not to mention there was such a gracefulness to it. Like these these women actually have pots that they... The pottery. The pottery, they balance on their head and dance. I mean, you watched them. They were so graceful. I mean, when they walked, it was so smooth and beautiful. Their movement was, you know, the ballet really very, very graceful and very elegant looking. To be able to hold, balance a pot on your hand on your head on the on the crown of your head okay to then have to go at the same speed as everyone else to have your movements all in alignment and to be moving weaving in and out of people i mean it was pretty crazy and then there was a whole nother um part with a drunken guy you remember where he was drinking his alcohol and you know of course he ends up becoming the hero but what's funny about it is is you first you look at him in the way if the story's told is he looks so drunken that he's useless. He's completely useless. But what's even more impressive is he's able to snap out of it. And even though he's still drinking a ton, he's able to fight all these. He's like fighting three or four, five people at a time. The storytelling was good. Um, of course, there was no, there were, it was uh, silent, um, just music based. Oh, oh the, by the way, we forgot to mention about the music, the orchestra. Oh, I was just going to say that orchestra was phenomenal. And um, as you're talking about them fighting, that's what was incredible to me. They had swords, they had all kinds. And, you know, they would strike people down. They wouldn't literally touch mm -hmm. them bodily. But, I mean, the way that they fell, and it was just, everything was right on. It's like you knew that they had to practice for endless hours to be able to pull this off. I mean, it's amazing. And performances all the time. I was looking at their, their schedule here. They, they, they tour the world. And That's how people, popular it is. People fly from all over the world to see this production. And every year, it is different. They, they, put, it, they put a new one out every single year, which That's means... That's impressive. I didn't know that. Yes. They have to rework all their uh, choreography, their costumes... Their dances, I, I mean, honestly, it's amazing how much you you gather in the short, well, the two and a half hours, which is, it went by fast because it was so enjoyable, but the energy and you can just see the enthusiasm in these, in each individual of what they put together. You can tell their passion of what they're doing. Absolutely. Like at the highest level of professionalism production and performance but also i felt like their costumes how vibrant the colors were contrasting colors and whatnot matched the energy oh absolutely. like it was such high energy but not in a way that was stressful it was high energy in the way that if you were to if i were to say to you and it's hard for a lot of us because a lot of us are experiencing a lot of stress and a lot of change in our life and a lot of us and this is normal when we deal with change. A lot of us wondering, God, what's happened to the world? But you look at a performance like this that's got all of this energy, all this creativity, and in its own way, its own level of innocence, its own level of purity. I felt a level of purity in the performance. Oh, yes. And they were just, 
they were just beautiful. I mean, the people were, their makeup was beautiful. It was, it, they just, it, and it was so, I felt as though it spoke a lot about what their culture was. It was a very natural performance. It didn't seem as though it, they were acting. They were just dancing as though they were, they were showing the Chinese culture and they were proud of their culture. And it was, you on know. On display. Yeah, it was on display. And they would come out before each act um, and describe what was going to happen. And it was it was amazing how basically each person, I mean, each each performance, um, the way they set it up, you were you kind of had an idea what it's going to be about be about, but how it was played out was was pretty incredible. So I definitely would see it again. Um, I was reading on reviews, some people go four, five, six times. They just enjoy it that much. Yeah, <clears throat> I sense that from a lot of people that recommend to go. That I mean, some of these people have been more than once already prior. Um, and I just wanted to say, if I could describe the performance um, in the way that it's very organic to life, is there's a natural state to the world, a natural order to the world, Right. And I think I mentioned to you when they were performing, it's like the flow of water. Mm -hmm. Like their costumes had a flow to it. Like, like I'm even looking at the, the brochure with the woman on the front um, that's basically jumping up midair, doing the splits. Her arms, her body is twisted uh, 90 degrees from her legs. And her, her, her arms are in the 10 o'clock position and the 2 o'clock position. Mm -hmm roughly, and she's got some monster sleeves on. Those sleeves look like there are, what do you bet? Those sleeves are 15 feet. Oh, at least. And the way that they moved in unison, they were not off at all. No. Did you notice that? Yeah. I mean, it just it was like was, a single organism. Yes. It was very flowery looking and very beautiful. Yeah. It was, it was incredible. because I, I like kept, the flower because it's merging out. Yes. And like you were saying, I mean, how do you do that? I noticed that what they did is they would let them out, like the women in that one, um, I don't remember which, which one it was, but they wore the real flowery where they had the extended arms. They would throw them out and pull them back in and they'd hold on to them. Oh but it God. was like in unison. I mean, it wasn't like one person was trying to grasp for it. It was just so, just so perfect. And you really? kind of got, I kind of got lost with the color and the movement mm -hmm. in those cases. And especially also those uh, women that were wearing the dresses that when they were doing, like, what would you describe? Backflips or cartwheels or something like that. But what they were doing is it was like a flower opening and closing mm -hmm. when they were doing each flip because of the way the color was. And, and there were some of the outfits that were like, you had bright orange with bright green, with like purple, like a, not a brightish purple, but a, a vibrant purple, a pastel vibrant purple um, for their like body. Um, anyways, the bottom line is really what I think the performance taught or was trying to teach is the beauty in life, the beauty in each of us and the natural flow and state of the world and to not fight that. And when you don't fight that, how many beautiful things can emerge out of that? And yet, not to launch into it, but just to, just to preview what's, what's ahead, um, at least some things I want to talk about, 
is what happens. This was there. This this performance progressed from China before communism to China after communism, mm-hmm. and just seeing how it started to how at the end. And when my mom said that people were not physically hurt, but there was violence, there was kind of more of like the kind of violence in kind of an Indiana Jones fashion, kind of, you know, theatrical violence. But then there was also, even though it was, again, theatrical violence, we're in a theater, we're talking about more, they're trying to show an actual physical level of violence that's a, that's a unnecessary level of violence in today's world and also an unnecessary level of disconnectedness. And the reason why Shen Yun spoke to us and the reason why we wanted to do even a whole episode onto this and the reason why we're like, hey, do we even have an hour to talk about? Of course we have an hour. We have probably two hours. By the time we're done, even though we don't feel like we have a ton to talk about, we have a lot here to unpack. Shen Yun, for us, speaks on the same level of what the Polychromatic Podcast is on message, on analogy of what we're trying to get across, which is the world is increasingly disconnected, increasingly out of touch. We've, we've lost our touch as people. And it's not our fault. It's really a cultural shift. It's a whole global economy, global sense shift. And it's in part due to technology and the way we live now and how the internet's beautifully allowed us to connect, but also brought us a lot of neuroticism and a lot of where we keep, you know, in today's world, we are monitored by our governments. There's no such thing as privacy in today's world in the true sense. I mean, how do police police? They look at your Facebook page. They look, I mean, how much of that ends up in court documents? It's absolutely true. Like we've lost a lot of our individualism, which with the polychromatic podcasts, we talk a lot about having a voice for yourself, being expressive, not being afraid to be who you are and not being offended by others who may not think that you are who you should be. But, you know, as long as you can look in the mirror and say, hey, I I did okay today. I try to be a good person in this world and reaching out and connecting with others. And I felt that that was really, that's what was beautiful with the Chinese culture in that theater yesterday to reach out to most people being American there. I mean, I'm sure there were some other cultures there as well, but it kind of felt like a, uh, like we were being reunited and that even though we have differences in culture, our, our skin color, we're all people. We're all human. We're all humans. We experience similar things. We experience sadness. We experience happiness. We experience disappointment. But more importantly, what is that we really need to find that connection and not just as our connection with individuals, but also other cultures uh, that I find other cultures very fascinating to learn about them. And I don't know a whole lot. And I'm working on that in my life right now is learning about other cultures because I want to learn. I'm curious. And I think that that knowledge is very important to have living in this world to be able to understand other cultures and their way of thinking and not to pass that judgment, to be open-minded and to listen and to watch and to observe. Yes. And you know what? I'm always blown away. And to your point, which is a perfect segue, is is about keeping your mind open and keeping your ears and eyes open to things because 
the thing that always continually blows blows me away, and, and in a Bob Ross fashion, is a happy little accident. I cannot tell you, and I can't think off the top of my head, I'm sorry, I didn't come prepared in this sense with a list, but I have always been continually shocked when I've been doing research and learning about something new, about all of the inventions, all of the designs, all of the things that certain cultures have brought to us. What do I mean? Like how India has brought in certain foods, certain ideas, certain inventions into our normal day living. Same thing about, you know, uh, other European countries, Chinese, China, you know, China, um, you know, South American, like, you know, uh, people from Chile, etc. that, or even Mexico. The bottom line is we, I think sometimes in today's world, um, Racism often becomes a scapegoat for a lot of different things. It was in World War II um, with what unfortunately happened with anti-Semitism with um, Jewish people. And every generation, every new generation, (laughs) unfortunately, we repeat the same cycle. Um, You know, and unfortunately around 2000, it was with Al-Qaeda. And so the bottom line is we have all of these things that happen and 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 usually it's government and and certain governing bodies that decide rather than taking accountability for our actions and having to look closely in the mirror and, and decide how we're going to want to change in the nation we seek to blame entire races of people you know and then let's let's not, let's be honest there there are you know some aspects of some cultures where genocide even occurred you know where where there was an attempt at, at wiping out entire races of people. And it makes me very sad when you look at the contributions. I'll, I'll mention one real quick, and I'm sorry. I, I realize, Please realize there's more than I know than just this. I just can't think of any off the top of my head. It's been a long week. But it's kind of like how what uh, Japanese, uh, what the Japanese have brought the, um, to America and to the rest of the world with anime and video games. The how much that's affected my generation, maybe the generation before me, and all the generations after, you know, um, and that's an art form. It's an interactive art form, and it's it's it's. I even remember Voltron. Do you remember Voltron? Oh, I remember Voltron. I thought Voltron was such a cool concept. Yeah, and Voltron was like I think the first kind of anime I ever saw. Mind you, Voltron, I think, was United States made, okay? But then, you know, came Dragon Ball Z, and and I wasn't huge in Dragon Ball Z, but I remember as a kid, I remember Goku, I remember those um, animations. And and so I'm just trying to say is they all have an impact on us, and especially as children, you know, when children are exposed to certain cultural elements, time and time again, they'll come back to them. I even remember um, hearing um, the uh, lead singer of uh, the the band The Gorillas, which that that's the virtual band that um, I'm not sure if you're probably not familiar with them, Mom. But um, anyways, the bottom line is it's a virtual band where they project on screen the cast members, not not the cast members, but the band members. They're not actual real band members. It's just people playing with main guy um, plays a guy named uh, 2D. So I'm sorry, completely off. Not understand what I'm saying, but the, the main takeaway here is um, there was a biography or, you know, they were interviewing him and he discussed about all the musical influences, where he grew up in the impoverished part 
of town in uh, the UK. Completely influenced him on the type of music, and he played a lot of music that's not considered quote-unquote white music, and a lot, a lot of culture, blues. You know, you, you hear all of these people with these different backgrounds and, and the musical influence, and that, that's, that's just another example of, so, you know, with what, um, I don't know, I, I don't want to say this in this way, because we're in very sensitive times, so I'm just going to say it this way, but please realize that's nothing, no um, bad heart with what I'm trying to say here, but what the Chinese have brought to the rest of the world has been amazing. It's like a tapestry of art, artistic stuff. I don't know. Uh, I don't think um, they've necessarily brought watercolor, but I know they brought a lot of techniques. I can't think off the top of my head, but you'd be completely blown away if you looked at the full list of their contributions. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. I agree with you. It's, it was, it was very, very educational and, it's just as far as the even just the dance yesterday. Um, also, they had a gentleman, I don't recall his name, I'd have to look at my program, which is right next to me, and I probably mispronounce it anyway. But um, he, he, he um, sang like kind of an opera. Oh my God. Yeah. The guy with the, um, starts was, with a T, not trombone, not treble. Yeah. Um, but his voice was very deep, but it was very beautiful. I mean, um, him plus the other woman that was there. They both, it was more like, wouldn't you say more opera style? Yeah, totally. it basically, it was pretty amazing. If you're considering there's only two instruments, truly. One's a piano and the other is a person's voice. For the woman, she was getting some uh, really high falsetto. Oh my gosh. I can't even do it. But she had such high, not not hurting your ears, but such high range of falsetto um, with her singing. Um, and it was beautiful. And she was able to hold it for some really long notes. Oh, amazing. I'm surprised she wasn't going purple in the face, to be honest. And similarly with the gentleman. So there's a guy that came out in a tuxedo. Good looking guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he... It was like, oh, it's really from underneath the diaphragm where a lot of his energy um, and impact came from. And oh, God, I wish that I knew my musical terms, but it starts with a T. It's it's basically where you get a low note, not not treble, um, treble. tenor, not tenor. It is like tenor. It's, it's, yeah, I think it is tenor actually. You define tenor. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's tenor. Um, Tenor is singing voice between baritone and count, counter tenor. Highest ordinary adult main, sorry. The highest of the ordinary adult male range. A senior with a tenor voice. I'm pretty sure it was tenor. I'm not sure. But the bottom line is it was on the oh, bassy, but oh, mm-hmm. and it was, um, I would describe it on the level of opera, I wouldn't call it like true, like Italian opera or anything, but definitely, um, very strong performances for how long it was. I would say generally speaking, if you ever do go see Shenyun, just bear in mind, it's a short and sweet. I think maybe I just enjoyed it so much. The time flew, but when we were sitting at two and a half hours, less than two and a half hours, just shy of two and a half hours. And we're like, that's it. (laughs) <laughs> it's because you're mesmerized 
you're tranced by what you're seeing and you lose track of time. And I'm just saying in general, um, I don't mean this bad, but for the amount they ask, and we got a good deal on our tickets, by the way, because you had got them real early on. You were saying how much do they normally go for? Well, orchestra, we were in the orchestra part and they're $1,000 a ticket. We did not pay $1,000 for each ticket. Yeah, not even close, fortunately. But still, you know, we're not talking about uh, sub, sub 100. It was over $100. And so generally speaking for all the performances I've gone to in the past, you know, um, I'm not saying that your ticket price determines how long the performance is, but, but typically for like even concerts, like usually, you know, for me, I usually expect like three and a half to five hours, but in re- all due respect to them, I didn't realize there were so few people doing all that stuff. That has to be exhausting. I heard they had one more performance later that day because I ran into someone from work, uh, uh, the, the uh, woman that runs the sister lab. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, said hi to her, and I asked if she was going to the other performance. I didn't expect to see her there. And she said, no, she was uh, seeing something else. I can't remember. It was some uh, musical thing. And um, But we did find out there was one more additional performance later on that day. So I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they only do two performances um, over one day. Oh, wait, no, here it is. March 8th through April 4th. April 4th. Never mind. Yeah, but they do. They do it for a whole month. Okay. Yeah, but you want to know something? They do performances. I know sometime days they do two performances because I know when I booked the tickets, yeah, yeah. there was a seven o'clock performance. But one other thing I wanted to mention, what did you think about that two string instrument? Um, are you talking about the one the woman was playing? Like yes, the, how she could get that. to yeah. That was beautiful. And I don't know how two strings could make. So, so many different sounds, but it was incredible. Yeah, the best way I could describe it is it was like a banjo, but not. It was like a two-string banjo, and I don't even know. It was like, a, and I'm not meaning to be racist when I say this. I'm just describing it the best way I can. It was like um, a um, Chinese takeout box is what it looked like, kind of like the central part was like uh it was round right but it was about the size of of a of a rice box yeah it wasn't very and, big but it was stood up on end too it wasn't like a banjo yeah. that you'd play vertically no exactly so it was a vertical it was like a banjo a banjo like instrument that stood vertical only had two strings on the body right the the quote unquote mm-hmm, big part mm-hmm. was something that looked similar but it had additional sides to it, it looked like uh like a rice box and then it had a neck on it. It had two strings and then just a top. And the string part was really tall and, the, and kind of stuck out. But it was, I could not believe the music she could play from that. And that was in combination with the pianist there, the piano. Yeah. And that was, it was just beautiful. She I, was playing it like, more like um, a violin mm-hmm. than she was um, like, a, like a guitar. So, so if I'm recalling correctly, but yeah, she was just sitting there and she was able to achieve some really amazing notes. Um, I'm trying to remember the performance I saw. I went with um, a friend and I actually was, a, I think it was one of the previous roommates too at one point, but bottom line is it was, um, I can't even describe what it was. It was like this chill hangout, um, hippie vibe place where they had musical performances where it was a similar kind of vibe where you see someone play an instrument and you think, how the heck did they pull off 
what they pulled off with so little. Um, so it's one of those situations, you know, where you hand a person an instrument and you're expecting just one type of play and you get this whole other, like, it almost sounds like they're five instruments playing. So yeah, I was pretty impressed with that. I, I can't remember all the details. There was a lot, a lot going on. And if you could guesstimate how long do you think each act or set was? I think on general, some of them were closer to maybe six to, to eight, maybe 10 minutes, but there are other ones that were as short as maybe like three to five minutes, would you say? I'd say so. And oh, the one I really loved is when they're walking on stage texting. Oh, yes. Yes, this was that COVID. Was, it this was, was the modern day, and they were describing Hong Kong and the the civil unrest both before and during COVID, and they showed all of the people, as you were saying. Well, I was just saying that it was really great. They were all texting, and it just it. it I thought, isn't it interesting how we look at culture and we know we're all very different? But I think I was kind of surprised to see all the texting going on because the socialization in America has really suffered because I think of technology and the way people communicate, the lack of commu personal communication versus through technology. Um, and I, I thought that's what I kind of got out of this as well, is that that's also happening in China. Yeah. You know, um, it's, I think, um, post-World War II is a general, a general sense. Um, you know, with the United States, essentially winning World War II. Things in the Eastern world were not going well for a while, like economically, right? Like, for instance, Japan had to reinvest because they were pretty heavily militarized. They had to invest in their economy and start deciding other sectors. And they became very heavily economized, right? Mm-hmm. Um, production and electronics and things like that. And similar, similarly, similarly, um, a similar thing happened with China. I will say this, and it's not to be racist, it's just a fact in America. You used to see made in China, what you used to think. Most people in America would say, if it's from China, it's a piece of crap. Don't buy it. In today's world, if it says made in China, I don't think any of us think any anything. Well, it's where not, are, where are iPhones made? Yeah, where's where's half the stuff made? <laughs> you know, a, a lot of it is made in China, and it's not it's not necessarily a bad sign or bad omen. Like uh, it was it was put out court culturally um, as Americans in the past, and you know, I'm just saying this was a normal thing. It's not my own judgment. I will say that from my own experience, yes, I did notice that there were a lot of things uh, that said made in China that broke very easily or weren't well constructed. But today's uh, sense, not at all. And furthermore, I didn't realize this until um, I really looked into all the stuff that happened in, with Apple and the Foxconn plant and looking more at Chinese um, life. Because I was curious, you know, about the way they're living. I'm like, how can people live at the Foxconn plant and also want to kill themselves? And so I just wanted to better understand, you know, like what life is like in, in China. Because I, you know, I didn't know if it was you know, more backwards where it was not as developed, you know, more living in kind of like a, you know, generations before, so more simple. I don't know the best way to um, verbally characterize that, but just to suffice to say not living um, in the first world country, you know, cutting edge of that America or, you know, say other countries are. 
um, or even Japan. But to be honest, you look at it and um, they're living um, the upper echelon from my understanding of, of uh, Chinese people are living very well. There's also, I think, a pretty, a pretty good ongoing middle class. And I'm talking about in urban centers. Outside farmers and whatnot, they still live pretty poor. And so that's the reason why the whole Foxconn thing came about is people go live in the Foxconn plant, send their money out to the rest of their family living out in the, um, in the countryside, you know, um, to help them out. So I would just say this is, is China, my understanding is China's urbanized and becoming a lot, a lot more well developed, um, urbanized. Um, and along with it, a, a lot of money, a lot of wealth. And you, if you just look at pictures of how they develop, you see a lot of skyscrapers. I mean, I'm not sure if you know this, but I think China is home. If it's not the fir the first tallest, it's either the second tallest um, tower in the world. And so they become highly techno technologicalized. Is that the word? Is that a word? Te technological. I don't know. They become more and more technical, you know, uh, uh, technologically advanced. There I guess, you go. Yeah. Um, with time. And so um, I know I've kind of uh, digressed, but the point I, I think you, we were just trying to get at the point about whether or not how they've changed and how they've developed and the way things are now, they're basically a, a first world country. They're not a third world country. I don't know if they were ever a third world country. I think they were seen more as a second world country, maybe. Um, but there are, like, for instance, there is an Apple store. There are Apple stores, you know, in the major hubs, et cetera. But back to your point, and I know I went off on a tangent about the phones. So it's interesting because if you look at, and I don't like using this word, but it's the way that we know how to use it. Um, all the countries that have become westernized, right, that have become modernized, that live essentially the same way we live. It, I think it serves to make us understand there's not as much different between us as we think there is, right? Like when, when, when I, I use my imagination to try to imagine what living in China is like, those glimpses, those diaries, those people that are from America that are living in China, uh, teaching uh, English as a second language or something. And I look at those vlogs and those diaries and stuff. And, and while it's different culturally because there's a different government and stuff, there's still, like I said, in the urbanized centers, it feels kind of all the same to me. But just want to say one last thing. With the heads face down on the phones, this is killing us as people at our soul, I feel like. It's really robbing us of human connection. And we are led to believe that these tools that connect us, and again, there's nothing like a face-to-face -face conversation. There's nothing like a phone call over a text message or an email. So much of today's become so highly unpersonalized. And don't even get me started with the fact that we're all expected to have a cell phone and we're all expected to have our cell phone set up to accept email. So if we get um, a phone call or an email from work, we're expected on the weekends to also answer it, which is not right because, let's be honest, we're not on call. But that's the reality that we live in, and it's because of technology. But yet technology has also brought us a lot of good, like with, you know, advancing our understanding of cancer, uh, you know, research and 
and uh, improving our lives in other ways. If it wasn't for technology during COVID, how would we have done everything we would have done? How would we have been able to engineer uh, a vaccine as fast? And how would we been able to stay connected even if we were all sequestered in our homes? But So I'm sorry to digress. I just wanted to say that and just say that, yes, when you mentioned that whole scene with people looking down on their phones, God, all it takes is a little bit of distance away to understand just how wrapped up hell. When I was messing around with our internet the other day, we didn't even realize just for one night how we have difficulty just turning off the internet for one night. Oh yeah, because we are real movie buffs here and we didn't have TVs for one night. And we go, wow, we got a good night's sleep because we didn't even have to worry about uh, watching a movie. But at first we were like really bummed out and through just that half a day, I was like, oh my God, we're, we're hopelessly addicted. <laughs> That's so true. Like everyone else. But I was just going to say, if we're ready to move on to something else. Yeah, Jen, yeah. The, I, I think the message that they were trying to get across was based on truthfulness, compassion, and tolerance, which I said, yes. I think covers a lot. And that was just beautiful, that connection. And just one more thing I wanted to say before we move forward. I also really enjoyed their hand gestures, which was almost like they were doing sign language. When mm -hmm. uh, particularly there was a scene where a mother and father um, had lost their daughter because she was standing up. She had... Um, put a banner up that talked about truthfulness, compassion, and tolerance, and it wasn't allowed with a government. And um, she was, her life was taken because of it. And the way that they portrayed that on the stage and reached out to the audience to show their grief was, it was mm -hmm. so powerful. Yeah. And it's really, I think what they're trying to teach is empathy, realizing, even though it was maybe a little bit extreme on the sense of, um, being more intolerant towards people that are atheist. Um, we read that there's some intolerance about LGBTQ. I didn't really see that personally in the performance. I didn't see, you know, anyone of uh, LGBTQ background that would made it obvious in the performance, but I didn't, I didn't feel like they were being attacked either, but suffice to say, in, in the overall Arky message, what I mostly saw was we've grown out of touch with creation we're more science-based we've grown out of touch with tolerance like you're saying um one another connectedness and a way that robs us of culture it robs us of this and so for instance just to, just to end with this the chinese communist modern a uh, modern uh chinese communist government oppresses they are most almost willing to kill to um eliminate threats to their further in their end and they do see creative creativity and divinity even god is something that's a threat to them mm -hmm. and so doesn't that seem bizarre that they cannot openly in public show emotion or dance they cannot openly in public practice religion without 
some serious consequences. It could even very well be death. That's kind of what I, I kind of get. If it's not death, it's internment, punishment. And, and again, there's way more going in, on in China than, than we're leading on to here. I've, I've heard that, you know, there are Muslim internment camps um, that, you know, a, there's been a lot of um, celebrity influencer PR that's been trying to cover that up. A lot of bad stuff. And so I'm not uh, speaking ill of the Chinese people. I'm just saying I hear the Chinese government's actually very evil. And um, there's much more going on. Like even if someone crosses the street and jaywalks, um, there's public shaming with their their state um, uh, mobile app. And during COVID, if they didn't get their COVID shots, um, you know they they could turn off their their credit so they can't purchase things. They can't use their ID. Just all kinds of backwards, really insane. You think this stuff is gone just like slavery's gone in the world, and unfortunately, we're not there. So, anyways, I just wanted to say, um, I have no clue what it's like for those people, um, their people. I don't want to say those people. We're all the same people, but for their people of their specific background and heritage, to walk that lineage from how things were to the modern day, it made me sad. I didn't, I didn't cry, but I think if I had if I were to see it again, I think it might make me tear up to realize just how much of their creative outlet, expressionism, culture, and really the true gifts um, that they'd been given, how that's all being squandered because the modern Chinese government sees it as a threat. And so that's also what it means to be in a communist uh, uh, collectivist culture. You don't have individuality. They see individuality as a huge threat. Well, I think that's the portrayal of the Shenyan, what they're trying to do by their performances and traveling all over the world is to say truthfulness is important. And that means yeah. individuality of a person to be truthful and uh, just in general. And honor. And the honor and um, showing compassion. It's okay. You know, when you're mm-hmm. compassionate towards a person, it's an emotion. And to be able to tolerate, which means that being patient and understanding to others. Yep. So I loved what it stood for. And yeah, I think... It was a beautiful thing. I really enjoyed that with you. And um, I don't know if you want to discuss where where we went for dinner or whatnot, but just suffice to say, my mom and I have not had this kind of outing, this kind of normalcy, if you want to call it normalcy. It's still, we're still slowly getting there, but I will call for what it was for that night. Oh, it was. It was one of the one of the I don't want to say the best, but one of the better, if not one of the best things I'd experienced in a very long time. Well, I'm going to say this. I'm already putting in for next year. We're going to go to this next year too. I mean, I'm hooked. Yeah, it was kind of like a religious experience in the sense. Walked away. I felt. I mean, I felt better about things enough for us to go adventure downtown and be like, "Hey, you want to grab something?" And we, we just decided to look online and we couldn't get a good signal underneath the, uh, the mall way. <laughs> um, but we finally did. And actually ran into a guy that, um, he had lost a leg. He was a ticket, um, yeah, ticket guy. Really... his name was Gary. And we had a great conversation. Um, same thing happened to him. You would not believe does not absolve certain people. Okay. But you would not believe the amount of people nowadays that are getting infections that were previously not an issue that can't get their infections under control because there's way too much antibiotic use and way too much antibiotic resistance is becoming a real problem. Talking about super bugs, which we will do a podcast on. I yeah. think it's important enough to really, to really visit that because there, 
There's a lot. And I think because we're so aware of it, we're realizing it more. But we have talked to so many people who have had flesh-eating diseases they have not been able to get rid of with antibiotics, who've lost limbs. And especially since um, Zach lost his leg, it's put us in a different place where we're, we're reaching out to people who have suffered a lot of similar things. And it's just mind-blowing to me to see, to even know the things that are going on. And we are in a in a period of time where antibiotics have been used so much that we have overused and mm-hmm. um it's it's quite scary but we'll do it i think we need to do a separate podcast on oh that. yeah but just yeah. wanted to hit on that because that was that was another god shot type of situation mm-hmm. that just happened but talking about spot i love spot and it was Spice really of life yeah it was really a special gift yesterday because we didn't make any plans for afterwards just kind of came out it was a little bit chilly because you know it was the the uh we went to the theater. I think the show started at two o'clock and uh, came out and said, hey, we should hit dinner. Well, we're down at 13th and Curtis, as I believe the street that the Buell Theater is on. And like Zach said, we were trying to find a restaurant and we found that there was a really amazing, we felt like Mexican food would be good. It's a little chilly. So we went and we found a Mexican restaurant. It's called uh, uh, Tomeo. My gosh was that a treat i mean we walked in there um realizing from the the reviews that it was probably pretty good but just timed it out beautifully there's one booth the Mm -hmm. timing was wonderful best if we had reservations but given the fact with my leg and the fact that (laughs) they were so kind they seated us in a booth they did the right thing because sometimes they, they they just completely ignore that kind of stuff yeah, and I was really hungry. I think it was just mm-hmm. the, just feeling good and the weather and everything. So we ended up um, having enchiladas that were like... Oh, my God. I don't even know uh, what kind of cheese it was, but... Smoky. Oh, gosh. I'd drive down to that restaurant to have dinner, would you? Yeah, smoked cheese. Like, it, uh, I, if I could guess... It was either like a, a white cheddar, a white queso, um, um, maybe a smoked mozzarella. I'm not really sure. Um, but that just suffice to say it has smoky flavor. And it wasn't like, you can, you know when you have cheap cheese? Oh, when yeah. you bite into it? Cheap cheese is just like... The grossest I, thing ever. I'll tell you what. I do like cheese. I mean, I don't try, I try not to eat a lot of it because I don't think it's the healthiest thing by far. But... It's got calcium. That's that's true. You can get good calcium from it. But overall, the quality of cheese to me is just like like chicken. Anything that you eat, you can there's different grades of it. There's you know, you can get something that's less than or better than. And this was the better than. Yes. And we just had like we asked them because they had didn't specifically have like cheese enchiladas. And we just asked our waiter if we could just get some cheese enchiladas, maybe with some rice and beans. And oh my gosh, he's, he went and asked and they said, absolutely. And oh my gosh, we just enjoyed it so much. It was, it was absolutely amazing. And then 
I'm so full. And what does Zach say? I think we need dessert. And I'm going, I can't. I can't eat dessert. And he goes, but look over there. Yes. Churros. Look at the churros. And they've got ice cream. And and you said you thought you saw a tart or something as well. Yes. So I was in with an eye shot of a bunch of different desserts. First one I saw (laughs) were the churros. So what they had is they had four churros stacked up like a like a house kind of you know how the little Lincoln logs so it had <laughs> Lincoln logs I or or it. or even just set up in like a tic tac toe yeah like configuration were. so two on the bottom two ninety degrees perpendicular on top and then a dollop of ice cream and then there was also another one that there was a little was bit a raspberry- of chocolate on oh, the bottom sorry yeah we're still talking about that yes and then it came with. Ca- Caramel. And we yes. asked about that and said, could we have that on the side? Because I thought it might be a little too much. But that caramel, I took a bite of it, actually had a spiciness. I don't know what they put in it. I thought it was a little bit like kind of a more of a burnt or carbonized taste. But but I could see like what you mean that it had some bite to it. It did have a bite to it. But anyway, you know, I mean, the couple of bites that I said I could handle turned into, well, I think you ate most of mm-hmm. it. But I will have to say that I walked out of there more than content. More than satisfied. Thankful that we actually had to walk back to the car. And it was perfect <laughs> because, I mean, that was a sellout crowd. So obviously, the parking lot. Yeah, it was part of the reasoning. Of, yeah, full of cars. And we just said, hey, let's just chill here for a while, grab some dinner, and we go back. There won't be the traffic. So it worked out really nice. And not to say we forgot a really major thing. So we're thinking when we leave here that an hour is going to be plenty of time to oh drive down God, there. Oh, my God, yeah. This is before I-25 we got there. I-25 was like being in California. Oh, my God. We're like going, what is going on? Stop and go. Traffic. I unusually mean, high traffic, according to the GPS. Unusually high. And Yeah, they're saying unusually high traffic. For this time well, of day. we're feeling like, oh, my gosh, we're going to be five minutes, at least five minutes late, if not 15 minutes late. And we just were going, it's okay. We'll still get to see most of it. Well, I think we only missed one act, but you would not believe tons of people pouring in there late. It was not just us, a large amount of people, because everyone else assumed the same thing. I do not know what was going on yesterday. Someone suggested there was a St. Patrick's Parade. But I have not seen, I, I thought really I was back in California. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was just like m- traffic was not moving. Thank goodness on 36 we got on. This was your genius idea. Yes. I said, take the toll on 36. Yeah. So there's a, there's a whole dedicated. Oh, man. Um, dedicated lane on the far left. And if you pay the tolls, you can drive it. And so what happened is. It was stop and go, but mostly stop. Well, suffice to say, if we didn't take that, we would probably been uh, 30 to 45 minutes. Oh, absolutely. So what was weird is we were going, I bet you, um, well, for one thing, most the average speed had to have been maybe, I think, one to three miles an hour just by the time you stop and go probably. And so for the stretch rest, remaining stretch, stretch of 36, which was almost like half of it, Oh gosh, it was because we were just was, gunning it. We were 70. gunning it and people were just standstill. Yep. And then when we got on I-25, of course, they told us to turn on federal, which it would have probably been faster, but we were way over in the left lane on the toll. So we said, let's go to I-25. Oh my gosh, we had six miles before we took the spear exit. 
just barely moving, but we were in the left lane and, and we did, I think we did actually really well. I think we got there like a minute before it started. And by, and, mm-hmm. and fortunately we came upon parking, all the handicapped was taken, but we found a little, oh, that magic, that magic spot. So what yeah. it was is we kept going up the ramp. Oh yeah. We kept and going so, up the ramp, going up the ramp and we're looking, you know, like and there was eyes always, wide open. And there was always this one spot where, you know, in the handicapped space, we were going to spot park in a handicapped spot since of my situation. And so, um, there's a whole area that's just handicapped spaces. So they're, they're not interspersed. There's just one dedicated area. That's the area that's closest, uh, the, you know, the pillar of the, um, parking structure where the elevators are yeah, that are the closest proximity wise to the elevators. So we, we, we see the first one. We're like, okay, Oh, it's one of those spaces around the car where, you know, for van, accessible or whatnot so we see at the very end that and so we start to dismiss it because we checked and we're like oh it's not a space so that depth perception but anyways you tell the rest of it what ended up happening oh so we kept going up the ramp up the ramp and finally we get to the seventh floor the top yep almost and i'm looking over to the right and i'm going oh my gosh it looks like a space and people are just looking like crazy because they're trying to get in their car park so they can get into the theater and, and at first we were like, no, that's not I'm, it. I'm like going, no. And I'm going, hey, back up. I think it is. And we back in there. And sure enough, it was one of those spots you really could not see. And we it, were so fortunate to get that. And clearly, that's clearly what happened. Because guess what? Once you get up to the seventh floor, those parking spaces near the center pillar, or that the, not the central pillar, but the uh, pillar with the um, elevators, that wasn't, even a par- that wasn't even a handicap spot. No, it wasn't. So what it was is... It was just the depth perception. There was not enough of an angle for people to see. So like we presumed, and so many other people presumed, oh, it's just that dead zone area for that van or whatever. Well, in this case, it was a little bit larger. From our perspective, it was a little bit deeper. And we're like, oh, I wonder. By the time we got closer, we're like, oh my God, that's a whole parking space. So that was kind of the magic. We just wanted to share in the magic of the moment. I know you guys probably all have your own version of that magic, um, but to just share in the magic, the memorable moments of this uh, of this trip, um, I would say those are the main ones. Main oh, yeah, that was, yeah. But anyway, it was, to me, it, it was a splendid evening. I mean, we, like I said, and we were so exhausted today. I think oh, we yeah. just... I didn't even make it to church. No, I planned so, on it. no, well, you know what? I think also the fact that it was um, daylight savings time. Oh, that too. I I couldn't believe that today, like, I slept in till like, what was 1045? I mean, I woke up a couple times, but just really, I think it was just all the energy, the emotional energy of pleasure yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Kind of unusual for us because... We have not had this much fun and, and um, adventure time together in a very, very long time. Yeah, a more carefree time. And the other thing, too, and it's it's sad to have to report this to you, but um, just being transparent, um, this is what I want to say is that, like I was prefacing earlier on in the podcast, um, early on when I was talking about comparing it to working out, you know, just because life has gotten to be the way that it is so based on just basic survival and not thriving, there's so little time dedicated to focusing on 
thriving in that well-being sense of doing things that you want to do for the thrill of it, for the fun of it, for the enjoyment of it, rather than just simply the survival of it. And so, you know, here we're finding ourselves doing something by all accounts is not previous to us, uncharacteristic, but in the modern sense, very uncharacteristic for us, uh, given that my chronic health issues stemmed all the way back for eight years-ish, um, eight, nine years, um, you know, infection and all probably being a major contributor. Um, because we were, I was discussing with you earlier, prior to that, I would come out and visit with you, and you were very active. Mm-hmm. Um, your act- activity and level of activeness encouraged me to be active because what we would do is we would, correct me if I'm wrong, but if it wasn't every day, it was every other day, we're going to the gym. So we we're working out an hour and a half, two hours, the gym every other day. Um, back then, um, I would commute by bike to uh, campus at, at CU Boulder. And, um, and uh, you know, I was in some of the best shape of my life. But you look at it now, and I don't mean this poor against you at all, but with everything that's happened with my health, and then you also had to have a surgery and everything that entailed with that, I mean, suffice to say, we've we've become very deconditioned. And so, you know, that outing for us, while it may sound small and basic and kind of stupid that we're making such a big deal out of it, for us, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot for me physically. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, it was quite a bit for you as well. Uh, just because, you know, you put in such long days at work there, you know, it's not like we uh, really leave the house a ton. Um, and that's also, also kind of partially by design as well, because I'm just not 100% on my feet yet. I'm still trying to build up the endurance and stuff, but I was pretty impressed with what I was able to get around with. Um, and it's slow going and I'm slowly uh, making strides and, and it's making me excited to realize that there eventually there will be normal again. It's just going to take so a little bit more time, but, um, well, you're doing really fine with your leg. I'll tell you what, Thanks. you're walking so well and I cannot imagine how much energy it must take. It's a lot of energy. It's, I get exhausted doing it. But you know what? You're looking great and walking really, really well. I mean, I'm so, so impressed with you and just, you know, you're, I really appreciate the good sport you are because, you know, even walking to that restaurant Mm -hmm. was a lot. And, you know, I had some shorter heels on yesterday, so I give myself credit for that too, because I don't generally wear heels to my job. That's a lot of energy in itself and a lot of balance, right? You're not used to that. Yep. So, you know, it just makes me know we have got to look forward to some really nice things to do in the future where we can dress up a little bit and... Yeah. Stuff to get excited about. And I was going to say five days a week um, with work and all that, obviously not at that level yet, but I know that eventually I'm feeling like I'll be able to get there. Whereas before it seemed like an impossibility and I am excited at the prospects if we do ever go on some trips like, you know, some ones we need to cross up the list while we've been to French Papiete Tahiti, we've been to Alaska, been to Hawaii. We've you know knocked some harder ones off the list, and you've been to Italy and um, France um, and the European Union's um, European states. Um, I have not, but also on the list has got to be uh, Francais for me or for us. Um, 
We also discussed possibly Japan. I think Australia would be also another awesome one to visit, even though we technically, when we were in French Papiete, we did visit Rarotonga, which is part of those same set of islands, um, but when we were on a cruise. But suffice to say, um, yeah, you know, it's been a while since we've, well, since I've had a vacation and then just thriving and, and doing all of that stuff. So um, it makes me excited at the prospects. Maybe we can better take advantage of our time. And I hope my next job, like I said, I can find uh, the right situation, offering me agency autonomy, but also flexibility. And also if I can be paid better. I, I, I just wanted to say one other thing with the work situation. I'm so blessed, even though I've had to go through hell with all this, I feel so blessed with my boss and with, with CU Boulder in general, my employer. Um, I think different employers, different bosses would have thrown me to the curb and just completely forsaken me. Just said, well, you know, it doesn't matter if you work for us for six or seven years, you know, you're, you're useless to us. You can't perform your job duties anymore. Sayonara, you know, nice knowing you. Good luck. No benefits. Well, the university's really watched out for me and my boss really watched out for me with, um, currently I'm on disability still with them. It was short-term disability turned to long-term disability. And also I'm not going to go into too many details, but just suffice to say my boss continued paying for my health insurance or beyond well beyond where he probably should have, but I appreciate it because he knew that I worked my ass off. I worked my butt off very hard. I was the lab manager and I, and I moved impossible mountains. You know, we only had two main people working on a two and a half million dollar project. And it was some of my coding ingenuity and stuff with Google sheets that did a lot of heavy lifting in addition to just me being a genotyping machine. And um, I even went in when my leg was not well and worked when it was early on trying to treat this infection. And he saw me come into work, even though my limp cup getting worse and worse, progressively worse through 2021. So in all fairness, I did earn it. I started off as a volunteer. I was been very dedicated to that lab to the point of almost being ridiculous. So that's another lesson learned and something that I need to be careful about in the future is even though I'm very professional and I get a lot of my hardcore work ethic from you, I do need to dial it down a bit and I do need to work in a work-life balance and I do need to request and demand a work-life balance. What you're saying is self-care. It's important yeah. that we remember that as well because both of us have the same type of job ethics of performance and our expectations of ourselves are very high. And so remembering that self-care is really important because I think that our barometer sometimes is off on that. And I think that sometimes when you think about going back to work, that's something else to consider because, you know, I think because your, your expectations of yourself are so high mm -hmm. that just remember that going back to work does not have to mean like I have to 100%, 100% or... I know it's not really 100%, but maybe 90%, but just realize like, hey, I can go in and do a halfway decent job and have a boss that's going to understand that it's going to take me a while to actually be able to work my way into this where, you know, and be a little bit understanding um, about 
your stamina and how much that you can actually do. Yeah. And so that's the whole thing though, is I'm just being honest. I'm not, I'm not there yet with even part-time. Um, and I do need at least part-time, right? I, I do need at least to be able to work 50% time for my health benefits, um, et cetera. But also just unless I'm going to be earning way more than what I was earning before, um, I really can't afford to work getting less than, you know, full-time salary. So, so the bottom line that the main takeaway, all I really need addition, in addition to say to this is that, um, case in point, you're right with all your points, but my, to hit back at my main point, my main point is that, um, I'm seeing an evolution, some real progress, a real path forward here. Um, I'm not physically there yet. And yes, I won't be ever be a hundred percent to that level where, you know, I feel 100% confident with going back to work, whether it be part-time or full-time. But I do need to build to that point where I'm not pushing myself in a way that I'm like, hey, I have to either work this job, these expectations are of me, or I'm going to lose my health insurance and I've got skin breakdown, or I'm so tired that I can't even walk straight. Um, so I'm not, I'm not terribly concerned that um, I'm never going to get there. I know I'm going to get there. I'm even all the more convinced it's it's coming down the pipeline. It's just really it's it's about the endurance and um, building up the strength. But there are glimmers. There are moments where I'm walking with my prosthetic on, and I'm like, I don't want to say I've completely forgotten that I'm wearing it but the lines tend to blur a little bit. So that's, that's, that's the main takeaway of something that's really awesome. That's awesome. The new I revolution. Mean, yeah, it's cool. It's like your brain's adjusting and adapting to it as well. Yep. So it's been a long week for us. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, so we wanted to report something positive that's went on here. Um, we have also been trying to brainstorm um, new topics to bring to the podcast, but it does take time and effort. Even though we're unscripted and we un- are unfiltered, there are certain topics that we want to do um, some of our own due diligence on research on. Um, so I didn't know if there was any other things we wanted to talk about tonight or if you wanted to kind of cut it short and sweet for this one, focus on Shenyun or I mean, we're currently at an uh, hour and 18 minutes in, so I'll leave yeah, it to I you. Yeah, I think we're actually really good. Um, I just think that um, leaving it at that is really good. And next time we'll have a topic that we probably will be more in depth with. I think this is probably the shortest podcast we've had so far, oh, which yeah, is I think like so. well over well, an actually, hour. Actually, I think it's the second. It, it's, it's, I think, tied for the shortest um, I think it'll become our second shortest podcast. I'm 90% sure. I think our our first one was like an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 20 minutes. So we're, 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 I think we're tying with the second. Yeah. I th- I mean, there really, I have nothing more to add to it. I think that, yeah. gosh, I think we what we talked about, there was a lot that we did out in just the, what, hour and 18 minutes you just said? Yeah, we have such a high standard for ourselves <laughs> that we we don't, realize that we can also approach this with just like kind of a, like a happy or easygoing, lucky kind of heart. So, you know, sometimes we feel like we can't excuse ourselves, you know, to, to, um, go, but like, you know, head first, you know, just dive into a conversation and, 
but but also show that level of respect that we want to show to it. You know, like we feel like any less would be disrespectful to you and disrespectful to us. So we just wanted to explain that this is kind of where we're coming from, even though that's probably not what's going on at all. You guys are enjoying whatever we're, we're talking about. We hope that what we we talk about is clever, intriguing, cognizant um, of uh, circumstances and implications and all that. But um, some And thought-provoking. We yeah, thought-provoking. Something you want to share. Absolutely. And something that you connect with on a personal level. So we hope that that's been uh, what's happened with you here for uh, this week. Um, we'll see about maybe putting out, well, we're definitely committing to the weekly, as you're saying, and we're good for that. We'll see if we're able to put more out, but just suffice to say, things have been really busy with busy for us. Um, so uh, while we're apologetic that we haven't been able to put out more, we're glad that we're at least able to commit to this, even though sometimes it's tough. It's just some weeks are busier than others, and it's hard uh, with the energy and, well, now the time, the hour we lost, too. Oh, yeah, I think that makes up for the hour we're not doing tonight, because... Yeah. I'm actually really feeling tired tonight. Uh, me too. Me too. Um, all right. Well, is that cool if I, if I um, lead us out? Absolutely. Peace out, everyone. Looking forward to talking to you next week. Yes. Um, please check us out on the web. It's polychromatique.com. That's P-O-L-Y-C-H-R-O-M-A-T-I-Q-U-E.com. Uh, where you can find the latest episodes. If you have a moment, please um, visit us on Apple Podcasts. You can search for, again, Polychromatique, just like polychromatique.com, um, Polychromatique. And um, if you can rate um, and subscribe to us, that would be awesome. Um, we've been kind of um, looking at some of our an analytics, and we just wanted to personally reach out and thank the uh, current, I think, um, dozen or so of, of you or more that are currently listening to the podcast. Um, just wanted to thank you for taking the time to add it to your weekly um, repertoire, your weekly schedule and everything that you do. And um, just want to spread the peace and love and just uh, say that, um, yeah, we, uh, you are our people. We are your people. We are one in the same people. And it's important to remember that. Sin uh, Shen Yen, uh, was a reminder of that and just how happy we are to share something like this with you um, as it's, um, I guess, constantly constantly evolving. So, uh, yes, um, peace and love to you guys, and uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Bye for now. <laughs>